Father in heaven, we thank you for this chance to be here in this place today where we have an opportunity to hear your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit will speak to our hearts today, bring conviction where we need to experience it. And uh, Lord, your word, your word speaks, and we put our faith in Jesus that he will speak to us, and we wait to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's message and the message for the next three Sabbaths after that, so the next four weeks in a row, are really, you could think of them as, as really kind of one extended sermon. Now, they're each going to have their own development and conclusion and points and so forth, but, but I, if I could really urge it on you, I would like to do it, that you make a point to be here the next four weeks, particularly... Uh, well, yeah, let's just say all of them, because I hate to push every time I think of one. I think, well, but then you miss this. Really try to be here, because there is, there is information content, but this is also, there's also an experience here that we need to go through in this process. And it will be most effective if we participate, if we're all here for all of them. So, so we're working through the next four weeks in one chapter, Luke chapter 15. And it's a very interesting, a very interesting chapter, the parts we're going to deal with here, because really the next four weeks are centered on a complaint. Luke chapter 15, verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So as we go through the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to labor to keep the main point the main point and, and to remember that, that the key to everything we're talking about is, is this offense with who Jesus is choosing to spend time with, with who Jesus is, is investing in. Now, that's not the only thing we're going to talk about because, because Jesus is going to use some provocative stories. And we're going to go off on each one of those and I think draw some points out of those stories that isn't technically the biggest point that Jesus is making here, but we won't really be ready for the biggest point Jesus is making until the fourth week. So we're going to have to keep inching our way towards that. But along the way, there's some lessons that I want us to learn out of the parables that Jesus is going to tell. But always bear in mind that the underlying driver of this is indignation. And Jesus' response is three profound stories, the first two in particular that are quite simple in detail, but loaded with implications. Luke chapter 15, we'll start in verse 1 again. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need 
to repent. And I pause right there and say, oh, the offense of it all, right? Because when you hear that story, when I hear that story, it's so easy to count ourselves among the 99 righteous, isn't it? And to think they're going to rejoice over the one more than us. Well, let's put it in the context of sheep. 99 sheep, one sheep. Here's the 99 sheep working hard to be a good flock, right? They're doing what they're supposed to do, right? Well, all right, already we're flawed here because we're losing track of a simple reality that, that for sheep to flock is actually not hard work. That's what they do by nature. So the 99 were not actually doing a commendable thing. They were doing what sheep naturally do. And this is an important point as we get at the core of what Jesus is trying to say. We're only going to hint at it today, but let's talk more about the 99 here. Let's, let's we'll put ourselves there. Really, Mr. Shepherd, you're going to rejoice over that one that wandered. And, and let's, I mean, we're, we're talking honestly here, right? Is there anything more aggravating in life than a lost sheep? than that one who just won't stay with the flock. I mean, really, how hard is it to stay with the flock? I, I remember, I can remember sometimes when my kids were younger and, and they would do things that were just so dumb. And I would think, how hard is it to just not destroy your room? You put a lot of work into this. How hard is it to just not do that? Here's, here's the thing about lost sheep. They're undisciplined, right? They're undisciplined. Not only that, they're unwise. I mean, it's dangerous enough to be a sheep in the middle of the flock with a shepherd standing there. Imagine what it's like to be this little woolly thing with no fangs or nothing out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself. They're unwise. They're irresponsible. Can we agree on that? I mean, what happens because that one wandered off, now the shepherd's out there looking for who knows what, endangering his own life, and the 99 of us are left here to what? Nobody's in charge. We don't know. Irresponsible. And frankly, lost sheep are quite undeserving to even be searched for, much less celebrated. Right? He brings him back. Oh, yeah, let's celebrate that no good wandering sheep because he's back where he should have been the whole time. Yay, that's something to celebrate, right? Never mind the ones of us that never wandered off. Oh, no, let's take them for granted because isn't it fun to be taken for granted? Isn't that your favorite? This attitude that, that I'm speaking from, that it's so easy for me to speak from, you can hear how easy it is, right? is actually what Jesus is attempting to address. But we don't have to own it completely yet. 
All right, we're just, we're just hinting at it today. We're, we don't have to admit it today. We're going to spend a little more time on the lost sheep today. But, but here's the truth. Lost sheep, by definition, wander off. Otherwise, they're not lost sheep, right? They're just sheep. Okay, so by definition, that's what they do. And, and the rest of us, don't we sometimes silently hope they get what they deserve? Do you ever hope that in your heart? Or at least that's what we hope until the sheep that's lost is a sheep we love, right? Then guess what we do? Well, verse 4, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. Okay, well, if we just stop for a second, we just turned the whole story on its head, right? Because we naturally put ourselves in the sheep. But actually what Jesus is saying is suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So the question, whose sheep is the lost sheep? So we did a little thing last year that that was kind of fun to do, and we were focused last year on on loving relationships and loving each other within the church. And, and, and so we did this thing where we would, we would look around. We'd turn our heads and look around. Go ahead and do it again. Turn your head and look around at all the different people gathered in this room, some you know well, some you may have never seen before. But all these people gathered in this room, we would turn our heads and we would look around and we would say something. Do you remember what it was? Uh, the people I love. Exactly. These are the people I love. How might that factor into this story? Well, can you imagine how differently we might view each other and this story if these really were the people I love, the ones I really care about? When the missing sheep is someone you love, you do whatever it takes to bring it back. And when it comes back, you rejoice. But we've kind of we've picked at the 99 enough today. And we'll come back to that because they're key to this whole series and to, and to what we're building up to. But, but now I want to turn our attention to the lost sheep. So we're going to go back in and be sheep again. And I want to turn our attention back to the lost sheep. And I want to see if we can gain some insights in this illustration that Jesus uses that can help us. Now, I'm not a sheep expert. But there's a few truths that I think I know about lost sheep. The first one is this. A lost sheep knows that it's lost, but doesn't know how to get back. Okay, see, a sheep is aware enough. I'm not calling sheep geniuses, but, but I think a sheep is aware enough to know, wow, I don't see anybody else here. And I think they get a little nervous when that happens. So, so a sheep is capable of knowing it's lost and capable of being pretty excited when it sees the shepherd again. But the problem the lost sheep has is it has no idea how to get back. Therefore, if lost sheep are ever to be found, somebody has to go and get them. Somebody's got to go find them. 
Now, here's another point. Lost sheep don't get lost because they hate the herd. Now, we're going to deal with the story of somebody who kind of hates the herd, if you will. But this, the lost sheep doesn't, see, lost sheep don't get lost because I can't stand you guys. No, they like them. Lost sheep get lost because, oh, look, a butterfly. And there they go, right? Over the hill, around. Wow, where'd the flock go? It's an important point that I think we should remember because we have a tendency to lump all the people who aren't doing what we think they should into a single bin. And then we try to address them all the same way. And it doesn't work, does it? Because they all have different things that have caused them to be lost. Here's another one that I think is true. Lost sheep are well-meaning, but they're also careless and unwise, and some of them are blissfully ignorant. You know those people in your life. It's like they have no clue that doing that is going to endanger their life or their spirituality or whatever. Lost sheep aren't looking for trouble necessarily, but will definitely follow lots of paths that have trouble at their end point. Lost sheep love to just explore down the path, don't they? I'm going to say more about this in a minute. But kind of in summation, it seems to me that lost sheep seem to live in denial of a very important point. And that very important point that you may well understand that they don't seem to is that the world is a dangerous place for sheep. And lost sheep are the ones most often eaten by wolves. That's reality. Now, in any large flock, we'll call us a flock here today, in any large flock, there's going to be some lost sheep in various stages of lost sheepedness as they're here. But here's the thing. Large flocks are almost never composed primarily of lost sheep. You know why? Because lost sheep either learn their lesson or they don't survive. So I want to send a message out to the lost sheep who are here today. Because they, they come and go sometimes, you know. The shepherd loves you. And the shepherd will look for you, but if you don't stop wandering, one day you will get eaten, or at least badly mauled and permanently scarred forever. To the lost sheep who can hear me today, let me say this, I know you because I am you. I'm a lost sheep. And my message to you is this, Get a fence. Get a fence. Now, I'm diverging a little bit at this point from, from the big picture of what Jesus is saying here, but, but I want to explore this idea of the lost sheep and, I, and draw on this illustration some truths that I have found to be very profound in my own life. To lost sheep, I say, get a fence. Why do I say that? Well, okay, lost sheep, you may very well be living with a bunch of free-roam sheep, 
All right? You're hanging out with the free roam sheep. But I'm not telling them to get a fence, and here's the reason I'm not telling them to, because they don't wander off. You can be a free roam sheep with no fence at all if you're not prone to wandering off, right? You just stay with the herd. How hard is it, right? But I'm telling the lost sheep, that's not going to work for you. Because for whatever reason, you're not naturally smart like that. In fact, you, lost sheep, likely take pride in, call it what you want, your curiosity. Well, that'd be fun to try. Or your adventurousness. What's the worst thing that could happen? Or your broad-ranging interests. I'm not just confined to this stuff. I'm kind of interested in this too. Or, or here's one. Maybe you're very proud of your open-mindedness. Okay, that's all well and good. But if you cannot learn to control and confine it, your open-mindedness will carry you right off the edge of a cliff and into the deep blue sea, all the while as you're thrashing around in the water, yet again saying to yourself, why does this keep happening to me? Sheep that are prone to wander need a fence. They need a barrier. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'll illustrate it. I have established multiple fences in my life. My marriage is one of the most important fences in my life. Now, here's how it works. I love Alicia. Amazing woman. Absolutely love her. And I want her to be happy and fulfilled, and I want her to love me. These are the things I want most. But you know what? They're not always the things I want now. Right? And if I don't put a fence between what I want now and what I want most, I will destroy what I want most by going after what I want now. And my marriage is a fence that keeps me from ruining what I want most. Here's another one, being a pastor. It's a fence in my life. I sometimes think that uh, God takes the really weak ones and calls them to be pastors because there's no way He can keep them in the church if He doesn't do that. <laughs> but here's how this one works. I love Jesus. I love the church. And I have learned in my life that I prosper through faithfulness. But I've also learned in my life that I can get off course and I stay off course for a long time. But you know one of the things that keeps me from getting off course for a long time? Every seven days I have to come in here and have something to say to you guys. And that reality keeps me from ever wandering for more than a day or two in my life. Because ask any pastor, there is no experience more miserable than standing in front of the church knowing you are a hypocrite on an important issue. When this and this aren't aligned, it is the most miserable experience of your life. There have been many a Friday night confession time for Adventist pastors the world round. It's a fence. It keeps us. My desire to be a pastor fences me off from certain behaviors and activities that would lead me away. So a fence is the barrier that a wise lost sheep puts up between the things he or she wants most and the things he or she wants now. That's how it works. 
Fences can take different forms. They can be situational. The, the two I described for you are, are situational fences, marriage, pastoring. Uh, being a parent is a situational fence, right? How many of you modified your behavior once you had kids? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. There's a fence. There's philosophical fences. The Adventist church has instituted a philosophical fence in the way the churches are led. And, and the way that philosophical fence works is in order to keep pastors from messing up in ways that would destroy their ministry when it doesn't have to, we elect treasurers from the body of the church who are in charge of the church money so that the pastors don't do something stupid with it and lose their job, right? That's a philosophical fence. Desmond Doss had a philosophical fence in his life. As a, as a young man, he was angry and would fight, and, and it became clear to him that this was contrary to God's law, and he took very seriously, thou shalt not kill, and made that a philosophical fence in his life, and it informed the rest of his life so he would never even pick up a gun. That's a philosophical fence. There's practical fences you can put up in your life. If you come to notice that 95% of the time when you get in trouble, it's after midnight, always go to bed by 11.59, okay? Practical fence. There's concrete fences you can build. If you struggle with weight control, don't keep snacks around. If you struggle with pornography, establish browser history accountability with someone. If you struggle with the impulse to speed when you drive, use cruise control. This is real for me. There's a, there's a road here that I used to drive on regularly where the speed limit obviously should be 45. But it's not, it's 35. And there are policemen who love to sit along that road and remind you that it's not. And I vowed to myself, I will never get a ticket on this road. And the fence I built to make sure is as soon as I get on that road, I accelerate immediately to 35, set my cruise control, and then literally move my foot completely away from the gas pedal. I mean, I practically have to put it behind the other foot because it just feels like I'm going too slow. I've never gotten a ticket on that road, unlike some other people in my family who will go unnamed. <laughs> but now, as we're talking about fences, let me, let me tell you another piece here. Stop looking for the fence. Okay, this is a legalist game. The way this game works is that we, we search and we search and we search until we find the perfect set of rules that applies to everyone. Okay, stop looking for that. Stop looking for that. And here's the reason. You aren't like everyone else. And that's something that, that lost sheep, they love to point that out in other contexts. But remember, you aren't like everywhere, everyone else. Therefore, never expect that some generic list of guidelines is going to be sufficient to keep you in the pasture. 
And one of the favorite games that lost sheep like to play is to go around and, uh, and compare lists and pick one they like, because you know what they'll do. They'll pick the list that's got fences everywhere they have no struggle at all, but it leaves wide open the area where they actually need one. And they say, what do you mean I'm obeying all the rules? Don't play that game. Now, there are some big fences that we can all acknowledge. The, uh, the great commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Big fences, yeah. All right, we're all good with those. There's the Ten Commandments. I think we're even good there. But here's the thing about those lists. They're great starting points, but these lists are much too holistic in nature to cure the specific issues that any given lost sheep faces. I think Paul understood this. Philippians 2, verse 12, he says, Therefore... My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Now, let me tell you what I think he's saying there. He's saying, I came to you, I gave you some general guidelines, and you obeyed those general guidelines, but here's what I want you to do now. I want you to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, and I want every one of you to work out with Him your salvation. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't think he means work out finally being saved. I think what he's saying is your deliverance, because we go through this life, and the Lord continues to deliver us in this life. And I think what is being said here, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose, is that each one of us has to figure out how the Lord would have us live. And it's not going to look the same for everybody. With God's help, you can find the fences you need and stay within them. I'll give you an example. If you have a tendency towards alcoholism, okay, here's some fences. Don't have alcohol in your home, right? Don't go where you can discreetly drink. Oh, you find lost sheep doing that stuff all the time. Oh, no, I'm just here. And before you know it, they're no more than just here, right? Find friends that don't tempt you. Very important. And, and if you really are in a severe place with this right now, you may even for a season need to avoid the beer and the wine aisle in the grocery store. Now, how absurd would it be if we made a rule at the church that no one is allowed to go down the beer or the wine aisle? That would be stupid. But it might not be stupid for some of you sometimes. Fences aren't about what everyone has to do. Fences are about the things you have to do. Tendency towards adultery? Don't be alone with someone who is not your spouse. Now, there are those who have tried to push that as a general rule on everybody. And there's probably some wisdom there. But not everybody shares that problem the same way, right? But if you do, don't do that. Be hyper-aware of what triggers attraction in you and run when it happens. And don't let yourself lie to yourself that you're just being friendly. See, here's the thing about lost sheep. They're, they're really good at self-deception. Lost sheep tell themselves that they don't set out to get into trouble, but their great self-deception is that they know they can get into trouble without actually meaning to if they just keep inching down the right path, right? Well, I'm not really going to do that. I'm just going just to do this. And then well, I'm just 
Just, and before you know it, they're there, right? And they can tell themselves, well, I never meant to. You have a tendency to steal? Keep your hands in your pockets at all times. Say, I don't know what you need. I don't know what it is. Remember that other people's rules are not what you need. You may be perfectly safe in the beer aisle, but once you get to the magazine rack, you're on the edge of a cliff. Okay? Same grocery store, different peril. So I say, listen, lost sheep, my comrades, I'm not trying to ruin your lives. I'm trying to save your lives. Get a fence. You're a wanderer. Get a fence. Jesus will never stop looking for you. But do you really want to be mauled and destroyed again and again and again? You see, that's, that's the thing for the lost sheep. They keep getting beat up the same way again and again and again and again. You know that pattern. If you've had it in your life, you know it. Get a fence. Give yourself a few simple guidelines and be faithful to them. But now, here's a caveat. Don't force your fence on somebody else. Okay? The fence God gives you is for the salvation you've worked out with God. One of the things that happens sometimes in church is you get a lot of reformed lost sheep in the church, and they go about enforcing their fence on everybody. That's called legalism. And if you don't need that fence, then its existence is called oppression. You can talk to people if they ask you about your fences and even tell them why they're important to you. But you must not ever judge others by the rules God has established in your life. Okay, that, this is a bold thing I'm telling you. God does not necessarily require the exact same rules of every one of us. Because what I have to avoid in order to stay in God's will may be different from what you have to avoid to stay in God's will. The point is to stay in God's will. And if I have to draw myself a line right here, well, maybe for you the line can be over there. And I need to not judge you if you're able to stand safely right there just because I can't. Not everyone has the same weaknesses you do. And if you were to enforce your rules on someone else, you would oppress them in your area of weakness, but help them none at all in the area of theirs because you don't have a rule there, because you don't have a problem there. So how does this work? How do we survive this? Well, it's day by day. Okay, if you're a lost sheep, it's day by day. You have to make this choice every day. You have to get up every day and say, I'm going to stay in the fence. I'm going to stay in the fence. I'm going to stay in the fence. To be a sheep is to be in the flock. God made us to stick together. So if you're a lost sheep, you'll have a tendency to stay at the edge or wander away, and you will excuse it as no big deal. Absence from the flock is a big deal because it's normal for sheep to be together. 
And if you find yourself trying to get away from those people, it's because there's something you want that you know that's not in harmony with them. Now, here's the other thing. If you have a lost sheep friend, you're probably going to have to go find them and bring them back. Because lost sheep, when they wander off, don't know how to get back. Here's the good news. Jesus is ever looking for lost sheep. So there is hope for you. But if you really want to end the self-inflicted cycles of pain in your life, get a fence and stay with the flock. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm praying right now that your spirit will speak to us individually. You've given us the outline, the great commandments, the Ten Commandments. But each of us lives our own life. And Paul has counseled us that we each need to work this out with you. That some of us may need fences where others don't. But whatever it takes, Lord, to keep us from wandering off, keep us in your flock. Lord, we want to be those rejoicing because someone has come home, not the half-dead one brought home, mauled and beaten. I thank you for your grace that extends. I thank you for Jesus who always searches. But help us to become a part of the responsible flock. In Jesus' name, amen.